Chapter Five of The Secret Mark by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Leanne Howlett. Chapter Five, The Paper Mache Lunch Box. But Lucille, exclaimed Florence after she had heard the latest development in the mystery. If the books are worth all that money, how dare you take the risk of leaving things as they are for a single hour? We don't know that they are that identical edition. But you say the gargoyle was there. Yes, but that doesn't prove anything. There might have been a whole family of gargoyle libraries for all we know. Besides, what if it is? What are two books compared to the marring of a human life? What right has a university, or anyone else for that matter, to have books worth thousands of dollars. Books are just tools or playthings. That's all they are. Men use them to shape their intellects just as a carpenter uses a plane, or they use them for amusement. What would be the sense of having a wood plane worth $18,000 when a $5 one would do just as good work? But what do you mean to do about it? asked Florence. I'm going down there by that mysterious cottage and watch what happens tonight, and you are going with me. We'll go as many nights as we have to. If it's necessary, we'll walk in on our mysterious friends and make them tell why they took the books. Maybe they won't tell, but they'll give them back to us, and unless I'm mistaken, that will at least be better for the girl than dragging her into court. Oh, all right, laughed Florence, rising and throwing back her shoulders. I suppose you're taking me along as a sort of bodyguard. I don't mind. Life's been a trifle dull of late. A little adventure won't go so bad, and since it is endured in what you choose to consider a righteous cause, it's all the better. But please let's make it short. I do love to sleep. Had she known what the nature of their adventure was to be, she might at least have paused to consider. But since the things we don't know don't hurt us, she set to work planning this their first nightly escapade. Reared as they had been in the far west in the great white north, the two girls had been accustomed to wilderness of mountains, forest, and vast expanses of ice and snow. One might fancy that for them, even at night, a great city would possess no terrors. This was not true. The quiet life at the university, eight miles from the heart of the city, had done little to rid them of their terror of city streets at night. To them every street was a canyon, the end of each alley an entrance to a den where beasts of prey might lurk. Not a footfall sounded behind them but sent terror to their hearts. Lucille had gone on that first adventure alone in the rain on sudden impulse. The second was premeditated. They coolly plotted the return to the narrow street where the mysterious cottage stood. Nothing short of a desire to serve someone younger and weaker than herself could have induced Lucille to return to that region, the very thought of which sent a cold shiver running down her spine. As for Florence, she was a devoted chum of Lucille. It was enough that Lucille wished her to go. Other interests might develop later. For the present, this was enough. So on the following night, a night dark and cloudy but with no rain, they stole forth from the hall to make their way downtown. They had decided they would go to the window of the torn shade and see what they might discover, but on arriving at the scene, decided that there was too much chance of detection. "'We'll just walk up and down the street,' suggested Lucille. "'If she comes out, we'll follow her and see what happens. 
she may go back to the university for more books. You don't think she'd dare, whispered Florence. She returned once. Why not again? There are no more Shakespeare's. But there are other books. Yes. They fell into silence. The streets were dark. It grew cold. It was a cheerless task. Now and again a person passed them. Two of them were men, noisy and drunken. I, I don't like it, shivered Lucille. But what else is there to do? Go in and tell them they have our books and must give them up. That wouldn't solve anything. It would get our books back. Yes, but... Suddenly Lucille paused to place a hand on her companion's arm. A slight figure had emerged from the cottage. It's the child, she whispered. We must not seem to follow. Let's cross the street. They expected the child to enter the elevated station as she had done before, but this she did not do. Walking at a rapid pace, she led them directly toward the very heart of the city. After covering five blocks, she began to slow down. "'Getting tired,' was Florence's comment. "'More people here. We could catch up with her and not be suspected.' This they did. Much to their surprise, they found the child dressed in the cheap blue calico of a working woman's daughter. "'What's that for?' whispered Lucille. "'Disguise,' Florence whispered. "'She's going into some office building. "'See, she is carrying a pressed paper lunchbox. "'She'll get in anywhere with that. "'Just tell them she's bringing a hot midnight lunch to her mother.' "'It's strange,' she mused. "'When you think of it, how many people work while we sleep? "'Every morning hundreds of thousands of people "'swarm to their work or their shopping in the heart of the city, "'and they find all the carpets swept.' desks and tables dusted, floors and stairs scrubbed, and I'll bet that not one in a hundred of them ever pauses to wonder how it all comes about. Not one in a thousand give a passing thought to the poor women who toil on hands and knees with rag and brush during the dark hours of night, that everything may be spick and span in the morning. I tell you, Lucille, we ought to be thankful that we're young and that opportunities lie before us. I tell you. She was stopped by a grip on her arm. "'Well, where has she gone?' stammered Lucille. "'She vanished. "'And she was not twenty feet before us a second ago.' "'The two girls stood staring at each other in astonishment. "'The child had disappeared. "'Well,' said Lucille ruefully, "'I guess that about ends this night's adventure.' "'I guess so,' admitted Florence.' The lights of an all-night drugstore burned brightly across the street. "'That calls for hot chocolate,' said Florence. "'It's what I get for moralizing. If I hadn't been going on at such a rate, we would have kept sight of her.' They lingered for some time over hot chocolate and wafers. They were waiting for a surface car to carry them home, when, on hearing low but excited words, they turned about to behold to their vast astonishment their little mystery child being led along by the collar of her dress. The person dragging her forward was an evil-looking woman who appeared slightly the worse for drink. "'So that's the trick,' they heard her snarl. "'So you would run away. Such an ungratefulness. After all we've done for you, now you shall beg harder than ever.' "'No, I won't beg,' 
the girl answered in a small but determined voice. "'And I shan't steal either. You can kill me first. "'Well, we'll see, my fine lady,' growled the woman. All this time the child was being dragged forward. As she came opposite the two girls, the woman gave a harder tug than before and the girl almost fell. Something dropped to the sidewalk, but the woman did not notice it, and the child evidently did not care, for they passed on. Lucille stooped and picked it up. It was the paper lunch box they had seen the child carrying earlier in the evening. "'Something in it,' she said, shaking it. "'Lucille?' said Florence in a tense whisper. "'Are we going to let that beast of a woman get that child? She doesn't belong to her, or if she does, she oughtn't to. I'm good for a fight.' Lucille's face blanched. "'Here in this city wilderness,' she breathed. "'Anywhere for the good of a child. Come on.' Florence was away after the woman and child at a rapid rate. "'We'll get the child free. Then we'll get out,' breathed Florence. We don't want any publicity. Fortune favored their plan. The woman, still dragging the child, who was by now silently weeping, hurried into a narrow, dismal alley. Suddenly, as she looked about at sound of a footstep behind her, she was seized in two vices and hurled by some mechanism of steel and bronze a dozen feet in air to land in an alley doorway. At least so it seemed to her, nor was it far from the truth. For Florence's months of gymnasium work had turned her muscles into things of steel and bronze. It was she who had seized the woman. It was all done so swiftly that the woman had no time to cry out. When she rose to her feet, the alley was deserted. The child had fled in one direction, while the two girls had stepped quietly out into the street in the other direction, and apparently quite unperturbed, were waiting for a car. Look, said Lucille. I've still got it. It's the child's lunch basket. There's something in it. There's our car, said Florence in a relieved tone. The next moment they were rattling homeward. We solve no mystery tonight, murmured Lucille sleepily. Added one more to the rest, smiled Florence. But now I am interested. We must see it through. Did you hear what the child said? that she'd rather die than steal? Wonder what she calls the taking of our Shakespeare. That's part of our problem. Continued in our next, smiled Lucille. She set the dilapidated papier-mâché lunchbox, which she had picked up in the street after the child had dropped it, in the corner beneath the cloak-rack. Before she fell asleep, she thought of it and wondered what had been thumping round inside of it. Probably just an old dried-up sandwich she told herself. Anyway, I'm too weary to get up and look now. I'll look in the morning. One other thought entered her consciousness before she fell asleep. Or was it a thought? Perhaps just one or two mental pictures. The buildings, the street, the electric signs that had encountered her gaze as they first saw the child and the half-drunk woman pass before her mind's eye. Then almost instantly, the picture of the street on which the building in which Frank Morrow's bookshop was located flashed before her. "'That's queer,' she murmured. "'I do believe they were the same.' "'And indeed,' she thought dreamily, "'why should they not be? They are both down in the heart of the city, and I am forever losing my sense of location down there.' At that, 
she fell asleep. End of chapter 5